0: Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Here it is, another episode of Flyers Daily for the 19th of March. And welcome to Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, your eighth day without NHL hockey as the hockey hiatus continues. It is your March 19th. Flyers Daily uh, for Thursday. And a couple of announcements before we introduce our guest. Uh, starting next week, we will, we'll be moving to a three episodes a week. We'll be giving you an episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we're going to do a lot of deep dives into player profiles and a lot of other things. So podcast will be a little longer in length, but uh, we'll be bringing it to you three days a week as uh, we hope the situation resolves it. Itself and we have some information uh, that maybe it could resolve itself or at least some hope. Uh, we're all hanging on to every every word we hear from every trusted source. But right now we bring in our guest uh, two episodes in a row for Bill Meltzer, and he joins us right now. Bill, how you doing?
1: Well, I'm doing well, Jason. I have to tell you that I really enjoyed watching the uh, YouTube video with the Pepsi shootout, Mr. Zero. So that was <laughs>
0: Well, I didn't spoil it when, when I told you that it was there. I didn't give you the result. I had to let you watch it and make sure you did. And I'm getting all these tweets going, did Gene Hart just call you Mr. Zero? I was like, yeah, I guess he did. I forgot about that. That's what happens when you don't give up a goal in a final, Billy. That's right. <laughs> I peaked a little too young, I think. And uh, 1983 is a squirt <laughs> when we won the championship. But uh, it, it's all good. It was a lot of fun. And, and Gene, sounded, Gene sounded awesome, didn't he?
1: He, he did he, you know, G- gene made everything sound like it was a San NHL
0: playoff game that was that was the magic of Gene so yeah he, he could have read a cookbook and it would have sounded great <laughs> uh bill I want to get to a couple of things here before we get to uh, our all-time teams where we have to pick only one player per decade 60s, 70s 80s 90s 2000 then 2010 um, and I noticed a couple of things in the uh, Elliot Friedman's 31 thoughts uh that uh, column that he wrote. And uh, of course, Elliot Friedman, great hockey writer from Sportsnet in Canada. And his number 10 thought was the first one that jumped out to me. And here's what it says. It says, in case you're not a basketball fan, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarski reported the NBA's Board of Governors had a conference call with former U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy on Tuesday. Now, according to Woj, Murthy explained, quote, grim potential impact of coronavirus pandemic in U.S., but left owners with hope of restarting the season/ slash playoffs before July. Now this is a guy who was a former surgeon general, obviously very in the know with dealing with pandemics and everything else. And he can't be 100 percent sure, but if things did turn and and the social distancing and some of the the cities where they're really kind of on lockdown, if that were to really stunt the the spread of coronavirus, then maybe a late June or before July uh resumption of a season or playoffs could happen. That's great news in my opinion.
1: Oh, certainly. I mean, the way that the uh, you know various news and projections have been going over the last week, it, it seems it feels like it's been bleaker, bleaker, bleaker. So to actually hear something that's a little bit more hopeful. I mean, we don't know. Obviously, it's so fluid, it changes day to day, week to week, depends on yeah. You know, depends on which expert is it, it, talking at a given time. And but I mean, if, if that could be the case, that would be to me at this point, an absolute best case scenario. That would, I mean, that would be great. I mean, that would be uh, music to everyone's
0: ears. Yeah, I would go pen the paper and sign that contract right now. Bill, we also had our first NHL player that we're aware of test positively for coronavirus. It's not a Senators player. Uh, and they did play the Kings, I think, prior to uh, going on the, the the pause, if you will. Uh, the Kings did also report out that they had all their players tested and nobody came up positive, but we do have our first positive test in the NHL, but we don't know what player it is. I guess that's incumbent upon the players to decide if they want to make that public.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's uh there, there are medical privacy laws, you know, and, and uh, that would be up to the, to the player himself as to, uh, you know, whether he'd want to reveal his identity or give any information out. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I mean I, I respect whoever's privacy it is. And um, you know, I thought it was interesting, Aaron Port's line. It also said there were several other Audible players that were feeling ill and they were also in the process of being tested, waiting for results. So hopefully it's hopefully it's limited to the one player who apparently has only mild symptoms. Of course, what we're finding out with, with coronavirus has, has been that, you know, two people can have it similar similar age or whatever, and one person has mild symptoms and and one it's more serious and more lingering. So hopefully it's limited just to him and, and it's mild and it and it's, uh, you know, it th- doesn't spread through other players of like Ottawa. I saw that the LA Kings had um, put out a statement as well saying that they, you know, as you said, they had their players tested and they tested negative so far. They got to continue to monitor that. And I think Anaheim had a similar statement as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately I don't think it's going to be limited to just one player in the league. It's just, um, you know just the way the pandemic has has, has spread and the all the sectors that it's touched it probably be more than one person but um yeah, hopefully hopefully it's nothing widespread. And then certainly hopefully whichever Ottawa player it is, um, gets well very quickly.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can understand why you know in a hockey locker room and the environment that and how close these guys travel, airplanes together and, and all those different areas, that it would be something that could spread very quickly. We've seen just, you know, common colds or the flu go through an NHL locker room rampantly as well. Um, another thing that stuck out to me, Bill, and and Elliot's uh And Frege's uh, 31 Thoughts was number 17. It says, okay, so when it comes to the possibilities for playing in, he said, here are a couple things that are important to the NHL. So this is Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, and the league. He said, one, awarding a Stanley Cup this year, and two, ensuring the full 82 game season next year. And as we sit here on March 18th, we have no idea if these things are going to be possible, but those are the most important things to the NHL. I get the cup. I get number one. Why they need to award the Stanley Cup this year? But I'm not sure I understand as fully why ensuring the full 82 next year, other than the financial ramifications. But to me, if if one's got to go, if I got to chop 10 games or 20 games off next year, I'm doing that and awarding the cup this year.
1: Yeah, I I think that in order of I think in order of priority, to me, it's awarding a cup after you know, played this deep into the season. Get awarding a cup this season would be. The first, you know, the, the first and most important thing, the uh, the uh second thing would be starting next season relatively on time, if, if you possibly can, and, and playing 82 games. And the least important would be getting 82 in this season, which I really, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if there'll be any more regular season games played at all. If there are, it'll just be a, a couple per team. And as, as we discussed yesterday, you know, then you, then you have teams that would just be coming back just to play out the string. So I don't, you know but i i agree with you to me the number one priority of all of those things has to be getting getting this season finished and awarding a cup
0: yeah and getting and getting the cup out there so for guys to go through essentially 70 games of an 82 game season and not to be able to culminate it is just another you know one of the gross injustices of this coronavirus thing to begin with other than the obvious um Elliot also asked a very interesting question because we we've heard the scenarios. You and I have gone through them. The 24 game or 24 team playoff format has been bandied about a bit, and you know he, Elliot says you know the expanded playoffs thing is a unique format and one that's certainly going to be on Gary Bettman's radar. You know it's it'll provide a big boom for TV. It's like go big or don't bother. And when sports does come back, people are going to be glued to it, even if it is in the summer, because they're going to be starving for it. And when you look at teams like the Blackhawks and Canadians, who in a 24-team playoff would be there, but he asked the question: If it came down to it, if you're Chicago or Montreal, would you rather be in the playoffs or would you rather be in this draft lottery?
1: Uh, To me, it's a no-brainer. I'd rather be in the playoffs. You know, Um, just a because you know it's revenue right now. There's there's the financial piece of it, and and B from the from the hockey side of it too. Is that even on even if you win the draft, even if you get, you know, Lafreniere this year, he's not going to step in and immediately turn a franchise around. You know, even, even if a guy, even a guy like Connor McDavid, who's been everything that he's been expected to be, couldn't work miracles in turn, terms of turning Edmonton around. You know, they're maybe a playoff team now. They've only made the playoffs once in his career. And this is a guy who's been, you know, a superstar, an instant superstar. And they have a second superstar there in Dry and they're still not a, there's still not, in, you know, an inside track team to win the cup yet at this point. So to me, you get in the playoffs, you take your chances in the playoffs. And I, I'd rather have that right now than pick a little higher in the draft. That, that's how I see it.
0: Yeah, to me, that that's the logical thing as well, because in the NHL playoffs, whether you're a 12 seed, I guess, per se, there'll be some sort of playoff, uh, you know, to get into it, some playing games, however they would format that. But once you're into that dance, you never know what could happen. I mean, look what Columbus did last year, you know, sweeping Tampa Bay in the first round. You get some good goaltending from a guy like Carey Price or a team with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And if they can get some goaltending from Corey Crawford, you never know where they might go. So, yeah, to I'm me, sure. you take the chance. Yeah.
1: yeah. Absolutely. And especially if it's a shortened series, if it's, if it's best of five or whatever, even you know, best of three for the play-in round, then really anything can happen. So, you know, I'd rather take my chances with that
0: for this other notion of doing best of two playing rounds and like you use gold differential as if they split now, if the first game's like five to one, the second game's going to almost be inconsequential. Yeah. So I don't love that. <laughs> doesn't make much sense to me.
1: Yeah. You yeah. have to win the games. So
0: yeah, uh, Bill, let's get to the all time team. Now I have not seen uh, your all time team, but I imagine, and I see a lot of people are chiming in on Twitter and a lot of people have the same team because there's not much movement in some of these areas. And the player, the best player from each decade is pretty, it's pretty obvious, you know, if you look at it and, you know, you look at the 70s, you know, Bob Clark is the guy. And, you know, you look at uh, the 80s, you got to go Mark Howe. But the, the team that I came up and I did two teams. So I did the team that probably is the best on paper. But I also did a team that might be a little fun and may give that team a run. So I want to run them both by it. I want to see how the, my, the first team compares to yours. And then we'll see. And then we'll decide who would win in a game with my second team. So I had to go Bernie Perrant as my goalie from 67 or uh, those three years in the 60s. Yep. He, I, I looked at his numbers in those years. While he did not have a good win-loss record, he did have, I think his goals against average was like 2-6 to 2-8 in those years and you consider the scoring at that time, he was still pretty darn good despite not being on a winning team because they were, you know, they just come into the league.
1: That, that was my rationale exactly. That, would, that, that way he was able to get, well, you know, get to the 70s in a second. That was my rationale exactly because Bernie was still a really good goalie in those years. Maybe he wasn't, you know, maybe he, didn't, he won the back-to-back Vezinas. He won the back-to-back Conn Smythe. His Hall of Fame resume was, was built in the 70s. That, that was the crux of it but he was still a really good goalie in the sixties. And, uh, you know, I mean the, the flyers, uh, and I mean, Doug Pavel too was, you know, he was a good goaltender, but Bernie, Bernie was clearly the flyers, better goalie of, of the kind of tandem they had at that time. So I did the same thing. I went, I went with Bernie from the sixties. I had thought about maybe, you know, um, maybe, uh, maybe a guy like Andy Lacroix, mm-hmm. but I thought well, there's, there's better players later on, better forwards I could take. And that would, you know, that way get get Bernie and his is my goalie. Have him in the sixties and then the, you know, the really better eras uh, of the team. I, I have a better array of players that I can pick. And I get my goalie right off right off the bat.
0: Yeah, and I think LaCroix his highest point total was I think fifty nine in the sixty eight season. Um, so yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I'm, if I can just find either LaCroix or Ed Van Em, then I can I can really get flexible here. Yep. but I couldn't do it. I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. I couldn't get to Dornhofer. I couldn't get to those guys because I couldn't put them on a wing up front and expect it to, to be as dominant as I think the team that you're going to have. So we agree that Bobby Clark is obviously our seventies to pick.
1: Bobby Clark is the seventies. Yeah. Which means, you know, which means you don't get Bill Barber and you don't get Reggie Leach and his 61 goal season and, and all that you are bypassing all that and Rick McLeish, 50 goal scorer, 100 point guy, but it, ha- it has to be Clarkie and his three hard trophies. I mean, to me, that was, to me, there was just no way you, you couldn't pick Clarkie. Plus, you know, plus he is, points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you had to pick one franchise icon, it, it is Clarkie. And I mean, that to me was the easiest pick of the batch.
0: Yeah. Well, the, 1980, um, I I kind of went back and forth on this one a little bit. I'm like, okay, if I'm not going to take Bernie, am I going to go into Hexy or Pelly? You know, what am I going to do here? But when I got the best defenseman in the franchise's history sitting there, I got to take Markel all day, every day, uh, because he was just so good. I don't think people realize how good of a player he was because he was understated in the way he did it.
1: Yeah. Well, what I always what I always say to people who were were too young to have seen uh, Mark how play. And then they became fans a little bit later on. I, you know, I always say, imagine Nick Lidstrom, and that's, that was Mark how they were the same, Mm -hmm. the same play, just complete, you know, complete defenseman. They gave you offense, but took care of their own end of the ice. Um, you know, just just phenomenal skater. I mean, you know, Mark how, of course was a converted forward. He'd been a left winger in the world hockey association, became a winger at, at age 25. That's the guy who was the all-time playoff scoring leader in the World Hockey Association, former 40-goal scorer, became a, became a defenseman. He was a three-time runner-up for the Nars. Still, it still pains me he didn't win it at least once.
0: But uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, Mar- how- Mark Howell, you, you could not, just as you couldn't leave Clarkie off, you couldn't leave Mark Howell off.
0: Yeah, and, and how about that D-pairing with him and, and Brad McCrimmon? I mean, unbelievable D-pairing.
1: And people, people go back and forth. Oh, well, you know, plus minus is a terrible stat. And I, and I agree with that to an extent, except in the case of a guy like, like Howe and McCrimmon. If you look at that 85, 86 team, Mark Howe plus 85, Brad <laughs> McCrimmon plus 83, and every other Flyers defenseman, Brad Marsh was even, and the rest were minuses.
0: That's incredible. Are you kidding me? The only other one at, at just even eat was Marshy. And it was the others, oh, my God. God, that's an incredible plus eighty five. <laughs> that's insane. Uh, all right, let's get to our 1990s. And I did have some internal debate here, but uh I guess my better senses prevailed because he was the most probably the most dominant player by shift. And that's Eric Lindros.
1: Uh, same here. Flyers all time. Point per game leader at the the end of his Flyers career, he was the uh, in the top five in NHL all time points per. game. Now, we, now he fell off after that in in uh, with the Rangers and with Toronto and was you know really a shell of himself by the time he was finishing up in Dallas. So he, and then of course guys like Crosby came along. So so Lindros fell fell down in the all time points per game, but he's still the Flyers all time points per game leader. Still won a Hart Trophy. Was still runner up for another Hart Trophy and would have been a finalist a third time if not for. If not for injury and, you know, collapsed lung, concussions, those kind of things, you would have had at least another, at least another year as a finalist. So uh, I, as much as I wanted to get John Leclerc in there, as much as I wanted to have Desjardins of the 90s, you know, uh, I, I think you had you had to go with Eric. It also required me to move him out of position because Clark would be my center and Lynch would be a, I put him on a wing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I moved him out of the middle as well, except for on key face offs when I needed him to level a guy right off the draw. <laughs> uh, you know the th- the odd thing about Lindros too is, is that he doesn't have the this uh, single season point record for the Flyers. It's it, Mark Recky has that, right? Yeah,
1: Mark Recky, uh, I think a hundred twenty three points. Yeah, Recky's yeah. the only guy who ever did in back to back years. Now, of course, with Eric. The first two years, he had knee injuries. He missed so much time. His second year, he almost had 100 points, um, but he, he missed like 25 games, something like that, and he still had 90-something points. Yeah. The year he won the heart was the 48-game lockout year, so he would have easily surpassed 100 points that year, um, but the season was shortened. Then he, have, then he did have his 100-point year, and then after that, he was never healthy for a full season again, so he never quite, never quite got there, so he only had the one. But if you, but again, if you look at points per game, he's the Flyers all-time leader, and it's not even all that close. I mean, he's yeah. uh, by a mile. He's the Flyers all-time points per game. Yeah, leader.
0: thank God, was he fun to watch. Um, so the 2000s, um, the, you already mentioned the guy's name that you were wrestling with over the 90s, and to me, I went with Eric Desjardins. Same, same here. And oh man, we're chalk so
1: far. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> every, 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 everything's in lockstep, and I, and I think the last one is pretty, pretty much a no-brainer. So they're going to have the same roster here, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the 2000s version of Desjardins was not as good as the 90s version. Um, one one of the most amazing things with with Desjardins, you know, and, and he was such a such a stoic guy, was that Desjardins played played through an 80 percent ACL tear. I don't know how a guy does that on skates. Wow. And he, uh, you know, he was never he was never as fast as he had been before. He had to he had to remake his game in the 2000s and did it to a. Did it to a, a you know a really high degree. He was still a, still an excellent player. But, but the '90s version of Desjardins was Desjardins at his peak, and he was a top five or six defenseman in the league at that point. You know, maybe in the early 2000s he was a top fifteen guy. But still, but still a fantastic player. The bright, you know, the smarts are still there. Played in all game situations. He had a couple double digit digital year. In fact, I think his highest goal totals came in the 2000s. So, uh, in, in a single season, so. You know, uh, I mean, you're not really losing that much going with Rico in the 2000s. So, you know, and, and to, to think of you have that left-right pairing with Howe and Desjardins, I mean, uh, that was, uh, you know, you, again, you're leaving out some really good players there to to, to take Desjardins, but to complete to complete your D-pair, to me, uh, that was pretty close to a no-brainer there, too.
0: How close would it have been with Chemo?
1: You know, Chemo. that Kimo, a consideration? Yeah, I mean, I, I did give Chemo some consideration because... Uh, you know, before Pronger came along, and then for a little while after Pronger's career ended prematurely, uh, I mean, teaming in one, was it four, yeah, four Barry Ashby trophies? Was it four yeah. or five? So, yep. you know, I mean, he was uh, an all-star a few times and, and a really tremendous player. You're, you would be, uh, you know, you certainly, you'd certainly be getting another outstanding player if, if you took chemo for the, for the 2000 for the later part of it. And I, and I guess, you know, I guess I did figure in how how long Desjardins was a top play, player for the Flyers? So I, you know, even though even though you're getting the 2000s version, so I mean, you wouldn't be losing much with Kimo, and, uh, and that would be uh, that would be a, a real solid pick there as well. And I, to yeah. me, really the only other for for a short period of time in there when um, Desjardins had some injuries and you know was a little bit in transition in his career, uh, Kim Jonson for a couple of years was was uh, the Flyers, maybe at least their number two guy for a while, but. He really wasn't in the running for me. For me, it was it was Desjardins or Kimo.
0: Yeah, no question. And then 2010s, it's it's simple. You're going with uh, the captain Claude Giroux. Uh, we know how he finished the decade of 2010 to 2020. Uh, top three in the NHL, led the league in assists, power play points. I mean, the resume speaks for itself. The only thing missing there is you know playoff success from 2012 on. Um, but as you alluded to earlier, Connor McDavid hasn't been able to propel that team. Um, to success in the playoffs just yet either. Um, and to me, uh, Bill, the fact that he's got the amount of assists that he has just overall and on the power play. And he hasn't had a trigger man for the entire time. I think the most assists that the guy that he's fed probably for the most goals is probably Scott Hartnell. I would assume. I I would
1: think so. Or maybe, uh, I mean, you know, although, although Simmons had those couple of 30 goal years, much of that mm. came on the power play where he was net front. So, uh, that that would, it would be close between the two of them, but I would I would think that would be yeah we would maybe be Hartnell. It'd be interesting to look that up to see, you know, who benefited from the most Giroux assists. You know, and, and as I was thinking about the line, obviously Giroux can slot right in on, on the left wing on that side, even though he even though he started as a right winger at the very beginning of his career, he's he's really, you know, he, he, his best season in the NHL at least statistically was it came in left wing a couple of years ago. So,
0: yeah.
1: you know, you have, if you have them on a line with Clark and with Lindros, uh, you know, I could see them needing a, a couple of games to find a little chemistry, both, both Clark and Giroux were premier playmakers more than goal scorers. But, but between that level of talent, the level of, uh, you know, the Lindros adding size and physicality and, you know, you, you name it to that, to that line and Clark's intensity and leadership and, you know, and, and, Jeru's ability to make players around him better. I mean, that, that would be just a, an unbelievable line, better than, better than the LCB line, better than, better than Legion of doom. If they could, you know, if they were all, if they were all from those eras at the same time, you know, that would be a, just an unbelievable trio. So yeah, we had exactly the same roster.
0: Yeah. I, and I see a lot of people had the same one on Twitter. Um, the one thing with that line too, is imagine the space that drew would get, <laughs> <laughs> with, with those two guys on the ice with him, Clark be carving people up, and Lindros yeah. would be a wrecking ball. Claude be out there like with all the space and time in the world. Be, he, he would just be absolutely ridiculous.
1: Yeah, He'd score and 40 and also, in that, and, all, and also other teams having to respect how and Desjardins moving up on the play because that creates space too. Um, you know, Lindros wasn't a net front guy, but Lindros could score from just about anywhere. That was the thing with Eric. Yeah, you know?
0: he was a total complete player. Um, so the team I came up with for fun, and I had to get uh, my buddy Ed Van Emp in there. So I got Van Emp from the 60s. I went Billy Barber from the 70s. I got Pelly as my goalie. I got Eric Lindros, Simone Gagne from the 2000s. And I took Pronger for the short stint and just said, uh, you know, I'll take him. Because he was still good when he was a member of the Flyers. It just got cut down too short. That's a pretty good team, too. Uh, that's, a, that's another really solid team.
1: Um yeah, I and I had come up with kind of a, a B team as well. Um I had I had actually chosen Pelly also as my goalie. He, yeah. he would represent the eighties, so you know you lose you lose how in, in that in, in that exchange. Um, you know, I took um I took Tim Kerr oh. and you know the, the thing the thing with Kerr of course was that um you could Although although he was although he wasn't a great defensive player, he you know he was he was purely a goal scorer. He also played some center too. So you could mm-hmm. change your combinations around a little bit. Um but uh you know, so I, I really wanted to get anyway, I really wanted to get Tim Carr in there. But if you go you go with Pally or Hexy, you you, you lose them as your your eighties guy. So oh. um yeah, so I, I went with so I ended up losing Eric and I, I took John LeClaire. So you get the, the three fifty goal seasons that he had, right? Oof, yeah, um, yeah. So the, you know, so uh, my seventies guy, I had Ned McLeish, and my selection, uh, yeah, yeah. And for two uh, thousands, I'm trying to think what I had for the two thousands. Um, I I'd, I'd have to look at my list there. I I I know that I know that like for example, uh, um, I, I think I might have taken Primo actually. Because okay, primo, yeah. Had, yeah, and for the uh, 2010s, I still I still went with Giroux,
0: so. Yeah, I mean, I I went with Gagne. I don't think he gets recognized as being one of the great Flyer greats, but in the 2000s, Bill, I mean, he had a 27, 33 goal season. He had a 24, a 47 goal season. Yeah, in 2005, yeah, but- 2000. I mean, a 79 points there, 47 goals out of Simone Gagne.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that trio that he had with, with Forsberg and with Mike Canuba, oh, yeah. they were, they were an unbelievable line. And I mean, Gagne was always a complete player. He gave you the speed. He gave you the, he gave you the two way play. And, um, he went from being a very good player to being a, a bona fide superstar, almost level player, you know, but when, when Forsberg came here and it's, you know, um, uh, Maybe we 'll do another show with uh, players who came to the Flyers later in their career who who, who were the best of the batch I mean people don 't realize that when Forsberg was here that the first of the two years when the NHL was at thanksgiving and I, rem- I remember that he actually he pulled his groin in a game in uh, in Boston and he had had a three point first period, but he wasn 't able to finish the game. He was out after the first period but nevertheless, after that game in Boston, which was the uh Saturday was two days after Thanksgiving. He was leading the NHL in scoring at the time, so yeah. there was still there was still something in the tank there. And
0: you know, he averaged a point where he played 100 games and had 100 points for the Flyers, I believe. More than that, he had more
1: than that. He, um, he had uh, I think it was 115 points in 100 in 100 games. And in the playoff series against Buffalo, even though lindra even though rather even the Forsberg 118, flying,
0: he had yeah, with the Flyers in 100 games. Wow. <laughs> Couldn't even find a skate to fit his foot at the time. And he still put up 118 points in 100 games.
1: He was, still, he was still a great player. That series against Buffalo, he almost made that series go seven games single-handedly. He single-handedly won two games and single-handedly got game one, which the Flyers lost in overtime. But he single-handedly got that game to overtime. So oh. you know, he still played at a very high level when he was actually healthy enough to be on the ice.
0: Yeah, he was a tremendous player. And uh, it kind of comes full circle. When you do that show about uh, players that the Flyers got, I've always said that the Flyers do have a long list of the right guy, but at the wrong time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, Adam Oates or Paul Coffey or uh, Dale Howard Chuck, you know, some of those guys had some good years left, but not to the level where we remember them for their Hall of Fame career, certainly.
1: Oh, certainly. Yeah. Daryl Sittler had a forty goal year with the Flyers, but mm-hmm. you know, he always of course is a is a Toronto guy, so
0: Yeah, he holds a pretty distinct record in the NHL as well, does Daryl Sittler. Scored a few goals, had a, had a big point night one night. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, no one's no one has even come close to touching it and nobody
1: probably ever will. So
0: Yeah, yeah. And he's got he's got that record and another former Flyer's got a record that'll be broken. That's our buddy Brian Boucher nobody's ever going to touch that shutout streak in today's NHL, no matter how good the goalies get or if they stop limiting the size of the equipment. So a couple of records that nobody will touch Bill, a couple of Twitter questions real quick. Um, by the way, uh, bully of broad street, uh, tweeted and he said, this whole thread is just respect, disrespectful to Tim Kerr. So he, he wanted to get Kerr on his all time team as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's really hard to leave Tim Kerr off, but you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about the decade of the eighties in there and, you know, I you we could have a great debate as to who was better, Kerr or Leclaire, and you could you could make a case for for either guy, and it's really awful to leave both guys off of there. But but when you're go when you're going for that decade, you know, I I I mean, I I totally I totally get that, I, and I have I mean, I I love I mean, I I love those '80s teams in general. Those are you know, I, I growing up in the the Broad Street Bullies, I was I was a kid, you know, and they were it seems like they were superheroes to me you know clarky and they were just larger than life to me but as you get a little older and you start to love and appreciate the game and appreciate what the team game is all about those teams of the 80s are really you know the teams of my heart you know and and that, that 80 87 that 87 run eight that 85 through 85 87 years i mean just uh you know if i had to say the three the three most emotional years i ever had as a fan those would be the three so i i get it i mean tim Kerr, you know. Tim Kerr is uh, certainly one of the all-time franchise greats. Uh, I think that um, there's a, a strong case you could make for Tim Kerr being worthy of a Hockey Hall fame selection. His career, to me, was you know, very similar to Cam Neely's, maybe better than Cam Neely's. So, you know, no, no disrespect meant to Tim Kerr whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and he was a guy, I mean, he could fill it up. He was so big and strong. And uh, is he still doing real estate, uh, Bill, down in uh, the Jersey Shore?
1: He still has, yeah. He still has his, uh, he still has his real estate company. I know his son was playing some basketball. Um, Timmy occasionally does uh, does uh, a Flyers alumni event here and there. He uh, you know, he played in the 50th anniversary game. It's always always nice to see him when he when he comes around. But he's still he's one of those guys who settled permanently in in, in our area.
0: Yeah, as many of them have. A um, couple Twitter questions stagger Lee tweets in and he says, uh, "Can we have a bubble hockey season? <laughs> we could simulate the the remaining uh, regular season with." Bubble hockey. Now that would be. Are you any good at bubble hockey, Bill?
1: I used to be good at bubble hockey. Yeah. (laughs) You're out of practice.
0: (laughs) I'm unfortunately out of practice, but uh,
1: you know, give give me give me something to to work towards. That'd be fun.
0: (laughs) Spunky four eleven eighty two tweets in. He said, "Is there any word on which players chose to stay in the area, as opposed to some players that left the area uh, when the NHL lifted that they needed to stay in their home city? Uh, I'm not sure of any players that that did go." any other places i think maybe justin braun went back to minnesota um but other than that i'm not sure
1: yeah i i haven't heard as to uh you know as the which players may have gone home i mean it's uh you know uh, partially because you know the couple the few guys from europe who make their homes there, travel there is restricted anyway and it's just um it's probably easier to stay put unless there's a you know, unless there's a family related reason or there's just some other reason, they just really need to go back to their offseason residence. So I, I think that's the case around a lot of the NHL players are just kind of staying put wherever their in season residences.
0: Steve Milner tweets it with an interesting question to think about. And since we have this pause in the season, we can actually consider. It. He says only because Dave Isaac put it in his mailbag. So thanks, Dave. Uh, but he said, who are you going to keep in the expansion draft? Dave didn't have Lawton as protected, but he had. He said, I like uh, Coots, G, Hayes, TK, Patrick, Lindblom, and Lotz, Provy, Sanheim, Myers, and Hart. Who who do you see as potentially being a guy that could get picked up off the heap?
1: Yeah, um, well, you know, we're still still a season away from that. A lot of that's going to depend on how Oscar's recovery goes, right, and and where uh, where Nolan Patrick is a year from now. Um, If you have to, you know, if – if it's a best case scenario for for both guys those would certainly be guys who would be a big part of the future they've been a big part of the team's plan it's it's really hard to say where those two guys are um are gonna be a you know a year from now i, I think I think he hit the three defensemen on the head it it's certainly gonna be Provorov um sanheim and 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 myers if at all possible um you know people have been debating coming into this year looking two years ahead ghost i you know i i think that I think the three i think the three have kind of Stood out as as to who they'll be. The um, you know the older veteran guys. Even if you even if the Flyers were to extend uh, Matt Niskanen beyond you know beyond next year, you know, give, given his age at that point, he's not generally the kind of guy who would be taken in an expansion draft. You never know, but probably not. Um, so I think those would be the three defensemen for the forwards. Um, you know, a guy like JVR might be a guy you might expose. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Vorchek is in his 30s at this point, so has some term left on his deal, so maybe he would be a guy you would leave out there. But I think you might be able to find room and the seven forwards that you get to protect law. And then your goalie is a no-brainer. Obviously, it's Carter Hart.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So that leads us to, to the next question from Frystar Adamsk. And he says, How much longer do you see Brian Elliott being on the team? Do we let him walk, or do we bring him back again? And should we? Uh, I was a big proponent, Bill, of Brian Elliott being the tandem mate with Carter Hart. A lot of people at the time were saying, well, bring Anthony, keep Anthony Stolarz, it's perfect, two young guys, cheap. Um, I wasn't in favor of that because I don't like a tandem with especially a really young goaltender, 20 at the time, 21 now, of Carter Hart, with another young goaltender. I thought he needed a stage veteran around to really kind of show him the ropes and how to be a pro. I think Brian Elliott's done that, and I still believe in Brian Elliott's game.
1: As do I. As long as Elliott is comfortable with the fact that you know, I think going forward each year, more and more Hart's workload is going to increase. It's going to be, uh, I mean, basically it's been Hart as the home starter for the most part. And Elliot is the road starter for the most part, just because of the way the numbers have worked out. But I, I think you go a year from now, other than back to back three and four kind of situations of which there are a lot. So you still get work for both goalies. Um, I, I think, I think Hart, as long as he's healthy, his workload will increase as long as as long as Elliot is comfortable seeing a little less work next year, I don't see a reason not to bring him back. Um, you know, and obviously four years live- old.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he, look, as if you if you are willing at at his age to transition to be that guy, and you're good at it, you're good with being able to handle. It's not easy being a backup goalie sitting for. You know, five games in a row, and then getting that sixth game, and you get the the disadvantage of the back, the second game of the back to back, where your team's a little gassed. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. Some guys just can't do it as they transition to that. But if you can, there's still a lot of money to be made in that role for a guy like Brian Elliott, a good two mil a year. You're not getting that uh, in you know outside the NHL.
1: No, absolutely not. And you know and there's also there's also always family considerations too because
0: mm-hmm.
1: players settle in an area even if even if it's not where they make their off-season home their their family is still with them much of the season in most cases and you know when when players get to their get to their 30s mid 30s you know a lot of times that comes into play and more so than trying to make a little bit more somewhere else there's a good situation here so i, I don't see i don't see a reason why you wouldn't want to go one more year with them
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, and, and I talked to him, you know, at training camp this year and said, you know, how did it happen? He said it came together real quick. I was comfortable with it. I thought it was a good situation, so I signed. You know, I think people – there's a misconception about Brian Elliott, too, about the goaltender that he's been in his career. He's got a career nine Uh He's got a record of 241, 146, and 47. Um, he's – I mean, he had a year where he had a 940 save percentage in St. Louis. <laughs> You're talking
1: – won a Jennings trophy, and, and he took yeah. the team to the finals, so –
0: yeah, not bad. Uh, great stuff. And uh, everybody, thanks for uh, tweeting in the questions. And thanks again to you, Bill. Great idea with the all-decade teams, man. It puts your brain in a pretzel as to who you want to take and not take, and it's very difficult. Like, I had to consider Tockett, and I'm looking at all these guys, and uh, Mark Reckie, and you mentioned LeClaire. So many great players, it's hard to whittle it down, but I think we did a pretty good job.
1: Uh, yeah, I think our team would have a pretty good record.
0: Yeah, and now, now the, now the is the assignment for you, Bill, is to do it for all the teams in the division, and then we match them up against each other and see who would win. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, well, that's going to put a wrap on your Thursday edition of Flyers Daily for the 19th of March. We'll bring you another one coming up tomorrow on Friday. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time on Flyers Daily. After
1: all the Jets are in the boxes And the clowns have all gone to bed happiness staggering on down the street
0: Footprints dressed in red And the wind whispers clearly A broom is drearily sweeping
1: up
0: the broken